Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Continuum, a podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty in the world of money. I'm David Rath, Chief Investment Officer at Continuum Wealth Advisors, here to remind you that when it comes to your money, very few issues are black and white. Most things exist on a continuum. Hello and welcome to our podcast on the continuum. My name is JT Cox, here with David Rath, Chief Investment Officer of Continuum Wealth Advisors. In this episode, we're going to c- cover three different topics that are in the news right now. Uh, potential government shutdown and what that can look like, for what that can mean for you. We're going to look at inflation and what the news is on inflation and some of, and try and clear up some misunderstandings on inflation and some social security mistakes that have been in the news recently that people are making. But as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on the web at www.contwealth.com. That's contwealth.com. Or you can give us a call here at the office at 518-583-4050. So with that, David, I know uh, there's been news recently about a potential government shutdown. It seems like we uh, come across this every once in a while. So can you talk to folks a little bit about what this means and, and what the stock market, how the stock market usually reacts to, to these types of events? So with the debt ceiling over the summer, and now the government shutdown, it's kind of out of the frying pan and into the fire for people. There's always something going on in Washington. And I look back through history dating back to the 70s. There's been about 20 plus government shutdowns uh, with varying lengths. Some are as short as a day. The most recent one that occurred in 2018 into 2019 lasted for 35 days. So there's really no telling how long these will last uh, with the current political environment. Your guess is as good as mine. So what we're really concerned about here is not the politics that are going on behind the scenes, but more the impact it has on the market, on people's portfolios. And so it's somewhat surprising that the market generally kind of shrugs this off. Uh, some some years are positive that it happens. Some years are negative. When we're looking at the S&P 500 returns, the average return of the S&P 500 over the time frame of a government shutdown is about 0.1%. So looking through history, it's kind of a non-issue. And I'm sure as we get closer to that end date, which I believe is September 30th of the shutdown, I'm sure the news outlets are going to ramp up and start talking about what, what that's going to mean for the market, what it's going to mean for the economy. But if we do look at history, it's somewhat of a non-issue for people. And I think that's a great point to make because, you know, the phone calls we, you know, the phone calls that we're going to receive on this are, should I sell out of everything? Should I get out of the stock market? There's a shutdown taking place. And, and it's important to just have a little bit of perspective and to be able to look back at history. And of course, we can't predict what's going to happen because there's no way to do that. But I know even over the summer when the debt ceiling talks were taking place, I, I got some phone calls from folks that said, should I sell everything and get out of cash, you know, just go into cash? And what a huge mistake that would have been if, if any Anyone had taken that action because the the market kind of rebounded pretty quickly after that. So, as with so many things in life, you know, it's really important to take a step back and take some perspective on this. You know, this is not something historically that has led to a, a total drop in the market or a recession or a, a bear market. Have there been negative instances during the stock market at this time? Sure, uh, but that could be any week of any time. So I, I think it's good to come to address the fact that this is something you're probably going to be hearing about over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to that September 30th deadline. 
but whether you should, you know, take action and, and, you know, jump out the window or sell out of everything, the answer is probably not. Is that, am I true in saying that? It's usually a safe recommendation not to jump out of the window when, <laughs> when you're looking at the news. Um, the impact on the portfolio, who knows how it's going to play out? Who knows exactly when they'll settle on a deal, uh, when they'll restart the government, if they even go into a shutdown. But it's never a good idea to, to use an all-in or an all-out approach with your money. Um, we would definitely not recommend taking any sort of drastic measures, but it never hurts to revisit your allocation look at some changes that you might make, but I wouldn't make them in reaction to this. I would just look at maybe you're due for a rebalance or something along those lines rather than making a reaction based on the news event. And and I think that's important. I, I do think that checking in on your portfolio, thinking about your portfolio, looking at how you're invested, is it aligned with your risk tolerance at that moment in time? I think that's important. And, and those types of conversations should be happening. And those portfolios should be updated periodically over time as your risk tolerance changes, as your goals for the money change. So it's okay to make changes over time. You don't just set it, forget it, and never look at it again. But you don't want those to be reactions to a news headline that you see. You want those to be more strategic based on something that's taking place in your life, like say a retirement, a marriage, the purchase of a property, something else that's taking place where you're going to need those funds in the foreseeable future. That's when you want to have strategies in place. For sure. Yep. Good. Now, so that's the first topic. The next topic that I wanted to get into, I read an article uh, on Yahoo Finance about Social Security, and it was a study that was done over the last um, 15 years, and uh, why so many people make this big Social Security mistake. So just with that headline article, uh, without looking at the article, Dave, if you were to guess what mistake you think they're referring to, what mistake do you think that might be? I did cheat and read the article prior to this, so I know the answer, but uh, it's one of the biggest mistakes that I always talk to people about, and that's claiming too early because they think they want to get their hands on the Social Security benefit as soon as possible. Yep. We talked about this in a prior episode regarding all of the inputs and the variables that go into what age you should claim your Social Security benefit, but claiming it as soon as you can just to get your hands on it that can set you up for some failures down the road if you're not taking into account how long you could potentially live for, what your other sources of income are. All of those things uh, play into when you should be claiming that social security benefit and claiming it right away. That's a big mistake if you're not considering some other factors. Absolutely. And, and the study that came out that it found that 40% of men and 47% of women claim at age 62. So basically as soon as possible. And when they compare that to folks who wait to claim it at age 70, which is the longest, the, the highest benefit possible, it's about 3% of men do that, 4% of women. So when you compare those two numbers, it's a, it's a drastic difference. And even uh, they looked at who actually claims it at full retirement age. And of, of the participants here, 17% across men and women uh, claim it their full retirement age. So less than half of the folks... Uh, you know, less than half of the people that collect at 72 are waiting till their full retirement age. And there's so many different factors that play into that. And again, could that be the right situation? Maybe if you've got health issues, if if you need the income, maybe that, that is the right move to take it at 62. But for so many folks out there, you know, as I've had conversations with them and they've said the reasoning is just because I want to get it as soon as possible, that's not the best reason if we're looking at long-term planning. 
especially with folks living longer than ever now, you know, longevity has got to be accounted for. So that benefit and the ability for that benefit to grow over time and by delaying that benefit will grow, you're missing out on a huge opportunity there and the opportunity cost can be pretty significant. There's also tax planning strategies by delaying where you can draw down some IRA dollars or maybe even do some conversions. Again, these are all things that we talked about when we did that podcast and video specifically about Social Security. And we'll have a link to that episode as well. So if you want to dive into that deeper, you can because David and I spent quite a bit of time on that. But I read this article and I just knew that it was something that I wanted to address because it's something that we see all the time with folks. You know, so many people say to me, I need to get it as soon as possible, you know, and, and that might not be the right mindset. So what I would say is, if you're getting to that point where you're in social security age or you're thinking about claiming social security before you take that step, have a conversation with someone, see if it's the best step for you or whether there's opportunities for you to delay, allow that benefit to grow because it could be best for you, for your spouse, for the long term. Any other thoughts on that, David, before we transition? I've gotten the pushback about, well, I've paid into social security my whole life. Why shouldn't I do this now to get some of that money back? And again, doing so, thinking, using that line of thought, you end up potentially shortchanging yourself if you do live a long time. Because as I mentioned in that episode, there's no giant ledger in the sky of people who have paid in over time and the amount of money that they receive back. If you pass away early and you paid into social security your whole life, okay, you would have wished that you would have got some of that benefit throughout your life. But on the flip side, if you live a long time and that benefit is now permanently higher because you delayed claiming the benefit, then you're going to be glad that you did so. Because again, there's, there's never going to be an audit at the end of your life that says this person paid this amount of money in interest. This is how much they got back from social security. You have to make the decisions in the moment with all of the uncertainty about the future and doing so in an educated manner. Yeah, agree completely. I, I think that's it. And so really just look at it at a high level. You know, as part of your overall financial plan, there's so many different factors. So if you're in that position, I really encourage you to have a conversation with someone and and don't sometimes we make an emotional decision in the in the in the short term, but that can be harmful for the long term. So use a third party to to be non- uh, non-biased, non-emotional about it to, to have some of those conversations. And then the last topic I want to cover, David, you had a really good uh, post on LinkedIn. I, I really liked it the other day where you talked about inflation and inflation has been in the news, obviously a lot over the last 18 months. Um, and I, I loved you had kind of a, a, a clarity for folks where you talked about in, the difference between inflation, disinflation and things like that. So you want to talk about that a little bit? It's kind of scary sometimes to see how much people or how little people understand about what inflation actually is and what the meaning of it is. Uh, I've even seen people in the industry talk about, well, they say inflation's going down, but my sandwich still costs $20. And this is a fundamental misunderstanding of what inflation is. And basically, inflation breaks down into three separate camps. There's even more on the extremes, but we'll focus on the main ones. Inflation is prices going up over time. The rate at which they go up over time changes based on the current environment. So for the longest time, we saw inflation staying underneath 2%, about 1%, 2%, something around there. More recently, we saw it get as high as, I believe, 9.7% uh, 
uh, at some point last year on a year over year basis. That means that the price of goods and services were about 10% higher than they were the previous year. Recently, we've seen that rate of change declining. And that, what that means is uh, referred to as disinflation, meaning that the rate of which the inflation is increasing or the rate at which prices are increasing over time is going down. It does not mean that prices are going backwards. Going backwards means deflation. And before people say, well, that would be a good thing. Deflation means that I pay less for things. It's actually the worst thing we could ever hope for because what happens is we end up in a deflationary spiral where people wait to spend money because they expect the goods and services to be cheaper in the future, which means businesses don't make any money, which means they lay off workers. Deflation is a terrible thing for economies. So what we're in right now is a period of disinflation, not deflation. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good point too. Inflation on a high level, it's good for economies. It's good for, we want things to be getting more expensive, you know, at, at a decent rate over the future, meaning at a reasonable rate. Inflation is a natural economic phenomenon that we've, that we've been experienced, you know, pretty much the whole time that the United States has been, has been around. So some level of inflation is okay. Now we go back to what took place last year where inflation was seven, eight, nine, you know, whatever percentage that it was measured at. Again, when it's that high, that's not a good thing. And that's where it does hurt people. Um, but it's nice to know that the inflation is rising at a lower level. So prices are rising at a lower pace than they were in the past. That doesn't mean they're not rising. They're still rising, but at a lower pace than they were in the past. The other thing, when it comes to inflation, it's, you know, compared to where the prices were, a lot of times it's where the prices were a year ago. So it, it's fairly common for there to be, if there's a significant period of inflation where prices shoot up very high, then the following year, you're basing it off that higher number. So it's pretty common for there to be this disinflationary type market. So this is not out of the realm of possibility that this is taking place, correct? Yeah, once that high, that high water market is set, we, and we find it harder to appreciate at the same rate, whether it's inflation numbers or growth on a portfolio. The higher that you get in those numbers, the, the, the more that you have to appreciate it at that same rate to that you, you would end up with very high prices uh, and what is referred to as hyperinflation. When inflation goes up faster and continues to go up faster year over year, that's a hyperinflationary environment. And when I said deflation is the worst period of time for an economy, hyperinflation is right there. Those are the two extremes that we definitely don't want to see in any sort of economy. Unfortunately, we have seen it uh, in countries across the world. Argentina is going through something right now where their, their inflation rate has always been high. Their interest rate on their, uh, on, their, on their government bonds is extremely high to try to combat it. But it's one of those things where it's hard to put the cat back into the bag uh, when that happens. And so what the Fed is trying to do and what they've been somewhat successful at, there's still time, there's still a long way to go for them because the most recent readings had us at 3.7 year over year. Their target is 2% year over year. And so we still have some time to go or some ways to go to get down to that 2% level, but we are somewhat heading in the right direction. And I would like it to see continue that downward trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, again, 
it's also sometimes nice to have that global view because we get so caught up with what's going on in this country and we're comparing it to some ideal version of where we think things should be. But when you look across the globe as far as what other folks are experiencing, we have it pretty good. And if we had experienced hyperinflation, it would have meant that you know, if the inflation from last year had continued and gotten worse, you know, and then continued to get worse over a period of time, that would have been hyperinflation. Obviously, that would not have been good for anybody. Fortunately, you know, knock on wood at this point, um, you know, think that has settled down, slowed down. And, you know, we're, we're looking at a more manageable rate of inflation. It doesn't mean things are cheap. It doesn't mean things are getting cheaper. It just means that the price that they are increasing is not increasing as much, which is ultimately a good thing. So any steps that folks should take on that, any actionable items, Dave, when it comes to that? I always hesitate to give any sort of advice as far as basing portfolio decisions off economic news, because the stock market and the economy march to the beat of a different drum. And so mm. when you're looking at your portfolio, you're, you're looking at what the stock market or what the bond market is doing that's affecting the performance of your portfolio. We can see this economic data come out. And what happens sometimes is people conflate what's happening in the economy with what is happening in their portfolio. And you can make some mistakes based on that type of stuff. So if you are going to make any changes, back to what I said before, it's probably more trimming on the hedges. Maybe there's a rebalance uh, in, your, in your future based on the performance of the stock market versus the bond market this year stuff that you would normally undertake, but I wouldn't do so based on one data point of an inflationary reading. Yeah. I saw an analogy one time. I read an analogy. I think it was Warren Buffett, but it might not have been. Talked about the economy and the stock market, and they compared it to somebody walking a dog. Have you heard that one? So if you compare somebody walking a dog, if you look at the path a person takes walking a dog, it's a relatively straight common path. And if you look at the dog, they're all over the place. They're sniffing over here, they're going forwards, they're going backwards, they're all over. So in the analogy, the economy is like the person. It's kind of moving in a steady direction one way. The the stock market, like the dog, is moving sort of with it, but in a much crazier way. It's going up, it's going down, it's faster, it's slower, it stops, it moves to the left. So, you know, I, I think about that every time I walk my dog in the morning. And I think it's a pretty good analogy. You know, the economy gives you an idea of where the over, all things are going on the whole, but it's a much steadier progression, uh, whereas the stock market, a lot more volatile, good and bad in any, any one situation. I've heard that before, and I love it as well because it's the perfect encapsulation of the how they're tied together. They definitely are because there's a leash on the dog that the person is holding, but the dog is going to do what it wants, especially if it's my dog. He's going to bark at every squirrel or neighbor or whatever it is, yep. and he's going to be distracted all the time, whereas the person who's walking that dog is following that steady path. Exactly. So... Again, if you're if you're thinking about that, try and be more like the person. Follow the steady path. Stay invested. You know, make sure that your investments are aligned. I think that's the main takeaway from today, from this conversation. Make sure that your investments are aligned with your goals, your risk tolerance. You know, all that kind of stuff. And if somebody wants to get in touch with us to make sure that that's the case, David, well, what's the best way for them to do that? You can give us a call at the office. It's five one eight five eight three four zero five zero. Or if you want to check out this along with some other things that we've put out regarding, we talked about the social security webinar. That's on our website at www.contwealth.com.
Very good. With that, David, thank you so much for joining and thank you for listening. We hope uh, this has been informative. If you have any comments or questions, there is a comment section here and uh, as well as our website. If you have any topics that you'd like us to cover in the future, please feel free to take a look at that. With that, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Take care. Please note the information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Nothing discussed constitutes a recommendation. If you would like a review of your personal financial situation, please contact us at contwealth.com or call 518-583-4050.